Hi, I'm Kelsey, a mental health professional and outdoor enthusiast obsessed with helping stuck individuals live more authentically, heal their mental health, and play outside more. I'm a Midwest gal who grabbed a 60-liter backpack, laced up her hiking boots, and turned a quarter-life crisis into a quarter-life comeback. I teach you evidence-based ways to overcome the beliefs and behaviors that are holding you back. Not one for small talk, psychology, spirituality, and honest conversations about both the triumphs and tragedies of life are all topics you can expect on this show. So grab your headphones, get some fresh air, and prepare to ponder deep. Rooted in curiosity, resilience, and abundance, this is Evergreen Thinking. Hello, welcome back to the podcast. This is a bonus episode that I have been really excited to put together for y'all. If you haven't listened to episode 25, titled My Religious Deconstruction, How I Left the Church, Why, and Where I'm At Now, I would strongly encourage you to listen to that first because this episode is a follow-up just responding to some of the questions and comments and things that I received after publishing that episode. So I'm really excited to get into this. Just like with my last um, episode on this topic, I am speaking candidly uh, from the heart. I have a rough little outline of points to just remember to hit, but other than that, I wanted to speak just raw and candidly. And so with that, on such a topic that can be very sensitive, I ask that you would be patient with me and understand that I may say things wrong or incorrectly and my intent with this episode is not to offend anyone, is not to pick any fights, but it is to further expand upon my personal lived experience with religion, namely the Christian faith. And so Yes, if you haven't listened to that episode, please listen to that first. Otherwise, I feel like this one will just not have quite the amount of context that you need for it. (laughs) So on that note, with episode 25, I had a lot of really great engagement on this. It was a very quickly downloaded episode, and um, I think that it was shared a lot, just judging by some of the metrics and some kind of funny indicators, too. It was really interesting um, kind of noticing the week that I put that episode out, a sort of resurgence of some people in my life who I maybe haven't spoken to in like literally over a decade or more kind of pop up and they're like hey I listened to this episode um you know I thought it was interesting or I could relate to it or um tell me more about this so that was really interesting um I saw lots of familiar faces from a crew and from high school and different places so yeah that was just really like funny and kind of interesting. Um, A couple of just like noteworthy um, responses. 
I actually heard from a fair amount of folks who were not raised religious at all. Like, like something that I think a lot of us in the Midwest kind of maybe take for granted when it comes to the context of Christianity is that um, because Christianity is such like a common household cultural experience in one way or another in the Midwest. I think a lot of us who come from that, like maybe you weren't even that religious, but your family was like nominally Christian. Um, I think a lot of us in that camp forget that um, there is a huge part of the population who like they have no context. Like um, they didn't grow up with with like Christianity or just cultural Christianity or like um, just little nuances that a lot of us have and so that was also just like a good reminder and encourager that like not everyone has this context Um, but so I did hear from some of those folks who were like wow this was fascinating this was such an interesting like (laughs) case study of sorts Um, so you're welcome. Glad to have been able to provide that um, maybe entertaining and interesting um, experience for you. Um, But then I also heard from a lot of people that this was not surprising to me. A lot of people who have gone through something similar that maybe they were raised religious or they became religious at one point and were very involved and then through one reason or another some event or another kind of decided that it wasn't for them or maybe it wasn't for them to the extent that it formerly was Um, lots of people have gone through a similar thing and so I also just found that to be encouraging that people were willing to reach out and share Um, I just think that's important in general in life for any kind of experiences is that we're open and that we share um so that other people feel open to be able to share and just know that they're like not alone in these kinds of experiences. And then something else that occurred, which isn't isn't entirely surprising to me, even though I think I made it fairly clear in in the episode um, that I wasn't interested in engaging in like apologetics or evangelism types of conversations I did still have a handful of folks who I could tell were like trying to engage with me in that way um and in a respectful way too like I don't I don't want to like bash them they weren't being like mean or anything but it was still kind of interesting that like this impulse this duty this strong desire to engage with people in this way um still came out even after listening to that episode so I think that's just interesting and I think it just like kind of further um further supports my my point of how just like ingrained and like pervasive some of this stuff can be and then I, I did receive a couple of like specific questions, so I wanted to address some of them. 
Um, and trust me, this episode is not going to be as long as the last one, so don't worry. Um, okay, so I want to start with this question. Someone um, who I think really highly of and, and fondly of asked, what do you think about relative truth versus absolute truth? Okay, there's so much that I could go into with this question. Um, first off, for just like a little bit of, of context, if you're not familiar with that type of question, um, this is a, a question that is uh, evangelical in nature in the sense that like, however I respond to this question, then the other person gets to you know, ask further questions and dig a little further to try to get to understand where I'm, I'm coming from with the hope that they can also share, um, their perspective and that it would lead to what I would call quote unquote, a spiritual conversation. Um, and the person who asked this also was like really upfront about it. Like, um, she engaged me with like a lot of questions and thoughts and was like, you know, I, you know, like my, my true, like hope here, (laughs) uh, which was, you know, for me to, um, come back to Jesus and accept the gospel and all that stuff. Um, so yeah, there was no like trickery here. Um, like she knew what she was doing. She acknowledged it. I acknowledged it. Like it was fine. Um, I still haven't answered her question, uh, personally, but I figured I would answer it here. So, what do you think about relative truth versus absolute truth? Okay, this isn't going to be the answer that I think anyone's hoping for. But in all honesty, like, I don't. Um, I don't think about that kind of stuff. And maybe that that might sound dumb. Like, I mean, for me to just be like, I don't think about that stuff. But I mean, like, if I'm just being honest with you, I don't. Um And I think that is like really telling of this whole situation though, because, um, when I was a Christian and when I was involved in Christianity, I was totally consumed by questions like this, like deep theological, just deep life questions, And you all know, if you've listened to the show or if you follow me on social media, I'm a deep thinker. Like, it's not that I don't think about deep things. Um, It's it's just that I don't really think about stuff like that anymore. I, I really just kind of like live my life and I try to be a good human. Um, I try to contribute to the collective. I try to, um, live a life that feels integral to me. Like, I don't sit at home on my bed and pop popcorn and think about stuff like this. Um, But when I was a Christian, I certainly did. And I had like the most beautiful answer um, that would point to like Jesus as being our savior and um, the Bible being the truth and and all of that stuff. But um, yeah, when I was... And that's the thing, like when I was a Christian, I was totally consumed with thinking about the afterlife and like 
heaven and what happens when we die and um you know like is God real how is God real like lots of of things like that that I just I don't think about anymore I think back then one I thought about that stuff a lot because it was the culture I was in and that's what everyone was thinking about a lot um two I thought about it a lot because I was evangelizing a lot and so I wanted to be able to like um answer like I wanted to be able to answer and ask about those kinds of things with people so from just like a studying and preparation kind of point I was just thinking about stuff like that a lot um but now I just, I don't, because I don't engage in those kind of conversations. Um, and I just don't think about it. If you really wanted me to answer that question, and again, this is not something that I've even thought about in a long time, but I mean, I would say that I think there's some nuance, but I think that there are things that are absolutely true, like laws of physics and and things and you can you know argue that those are like man-made and I I get that but also like they're not you know so I guess I would just say I lean more to like a scientific truth kind of camp um but I also think a lot of us have like very relative experiences even like time can be relative even from like a scientific standpoint um so yeah I just I don't really think about that stuff I just kind of live my life and experience it as it is and it doesn't keep me up at night um so that's my answer to that question another question that I had there's going to be a little bit of a theme here, actually, too. I'm just now kind of realizing. So another question I had was um, just what are your thoughts on purity culture? Oh, man. Oh, man. Uh, this is one that I could talk about for like hours. I'm not going to, though. Um, do I have any experiences with purity culture? Absolutely. Um you know, what's really interesting about my experience, and I think I shared this a little bit in the first episode, um, is that while I was super heavily involved in Christianity, I also was, I was in college getting a minor in human sexuality. And for a while, my, my plan for graduation was to become a sexual health educator. Uh, at the time I was getting a a public health degree and was just like really um, passionate and interested in all things related to human sexuality. And I still am. I think it's like such just an interesting um, like just field to think about. And um, part of that was that my freshman year I of, of college, I took a human sexuality class. It was just like an intro to human sexuality. And I remember, like, this is a core memory for me. It's like playing, like, a movie in my brain. I remember sitting in a lecture hall in Ballantyne at, like, the 
eighth floor or something um, at IU, and I was sitting in my human sexuality class, and I don't remember what the content was specifically, but I remember just learning a lot of really basic human anatomy, really, but just like the way um, the female uh, body works and... Um, I remember sitting there and just thinking, why am I 18, 19 years old and just hearing about this for the first time ever? And I remember being really angry because I was just like, this is my body that I live in. I walk around in every day. I have a right to know how it actually works and how dangerous is it that I don't know how my body works when some of the consequences could be very dire, could be very permanent, could be just uh, very serious. And I just remember feeling like a really deep sense of injustice about that. And... um you know, I, I think part of that is like a Christian culture and Christian background to blame. I also think part of that is a public school system <clears throat> to blame. Um, I mean, like our health classes in public school are a joke, in my opinion. Um, and so anyways, there's lots of like factors to that. Um, but that was kind of where I was coming from and just I was so excited to learn about human sexuality and even just from like a social lens um and I remember like coming back to my my dorm floor and sharing with all of my Christian friends like you guys I just learned this about you know uh yeah just all kinds of things and so that was really like funny and interesting. I know I made some people a little bit uncomfortable. Um, I think most people just thought it was kind of funny. But anyways, um, purity culture. Yeah, um, I was affected by it. And I also was like a, a perpetrator of it. Um, even with a lot of the cognitive dissonance that I was experiencing of being like, okay, well, I, I believe that the Bible tells us that we should live pure, but I also believe that sexual functioning and expression and exploration is like a natural and healthy part of our comprehensive health. Like, what does that mean? I mean, I was wrestling with that a lot and just holding the tension of both of those things in my hands. And at the same time, like I, this is another vivid memory I have. I remember going on like a spring break mission trip in Florida and I think the girls were either required or recommended I feel like it was required though to wear like one-piece swimming suits or like if it was a two-piece it had to be like a tank kini and a you know bottom or whatever I'm pretty sure it was like a requirement or something and I remember standing up because I was like kind of a leader at the time and just saying something in the group of women to try to encourage them that like you know, we were serving the boys by, you know, being modest or whatever. And, um, I remember getting pushback from a couple of 
girls who were um, younger than me. They were also in a sorority. And they were just like, that's not fair. Like, why can't the boys just, like, control their, you know, impulses or whatever? And I was just kind of like, well, it's our job as, like, sisters in Christ to you know, set them up for success and help them not have any, like, stumbling blocks or whatever, even though we literally were about to walk onto Panama City Beach, like, (laughs) um, anyways, but I just say that to say, like, I have perpetuated, perpetrated, I've been an active participant (laughs) in upholding purity culture. At the same time, I would have, like, girls, girls would, like, asked to kind of like privately meet with me and we would sit down and they would like share stories about like how far they were going with their boyfriends and or like they would talk about like masturbation or stuff and they would like ask me from my perspective knowing that I was like studying human sexuality and knowing that I also was like this Christian leader in our organization like they would ask me privately, like, what do you think about this? Is this wrong? Is this, you know, is this okay? And that kind of put me in like a tricky position sometimes. But I think that just goes to show how much guidance what people were seeking and how people were really seeking like comprehensive guidance. Like they knew what their Bible study leader would say they wanted to also hear from like um a more like clinical perspective I guess um so I think that just goes to show that like people really had a craving for like a comprehensive guidance but that wasn't really like the norm in Christianity um typically so yeah um I like had a purity ring. It was my idea to get one and I like got it myself, I'm pretty sure. Um so like that was a thing, but you know like I oh here's like kind of an interesting part of purity culture like so I was someone who like I had I had sex before I got married. Um and like that was just like my whole my own thing um and that is like ironically enough that is like a super like sexy part of someone's testimony right like oh tell people about how you used to live this like impure life but then you know how Jesus changed your heart and now you are like waiting until you get married and like um Jesus made you pure and you don't have to be ashamed anymore and all that stuff, and it's, like, the only reason I was ashamed is because I was kind of made to feel like I was supposed to be ashamed, like, (laughs) you know, so, yeah, but something that I notice in, like, Christian ministry settings is that, like, when we want to hear people's testimonies, a lot of times, like, we want to hear, like, the powerful, flashy, exciting, interesting testimonies, like, And so a lot of times, I mean, we're all like, you know, 18, 19, 20 years old. So of course, like the exciting stories are going to be about people who were like, you know, 
addicted to porn or who were super like slutty or you know whatever um don't even get me started on like sexuality um and like queerness and like those super like sexy testimonies of people who were um as they would call it in Christianity like same sex attracted or like just you know gay or queer or whatever um and how like they're choosing to be pure and to not um live into those desires like that was also a really common part of purity culture and purity culture was also about more than just sex too so I want to point that out like purity culture also was about drinking and drugs and like media um I think there is like a high correlation of purity culture and like diet culture and like body image issues because like because purity culture is like largely focused on sex and like sexuality um it really puts like sex on this like pedestal and there's a lot of pressure um once if you like do get married and then you start having sex with your partner or whatever like um there's just like a lot of pressure and also like not enough education so you have people who are like oh my gosh this is supposed to be like the most amazing thing ever but then they also don't even know how to like do that and they don't know things about like lubrication and foreplay and like warming up and like just all this stuff and if you think about like the very first time you had sex like no matter like if you're a Christian or not like it might have been like a little bit awkward like you don't really you know know you're like figuring things out as you go but I think in Christianity because it's like so taboo there's not a lot of like preparation for it and so it can also just be really like stressful and hard and like I've heard so many stories even when I was a Christian I heard so many stories of women who were like yeah my wedding night like I cried and it was awful and like we were so excited but I felt nervous and pressured and like um you know it hurt and it like it just wasn't what I like built it up to be and like all this stuff and so um gosh I don't even know where I was going with that oh and like body image because we put like sex on like such a high pedestal like I think there is also this pressure to like want to look really good when you have sex for the first time um whatever that means for you um whether that's to look like skinny or health like muscular or whatever like whatever your ideal body image is in your mind like I think because people are like waiting waiting and putting sex on such a pedestal then they also are like feeling so much pressure to like look a certain way for that um and even like because marriage and like wedding days are so like highly celebrated and I'm not saying weddings aren't like great and fun and a special and ought to be celebrated but because it is kind of like 
one of the like pinnacle moments in a Christian's life. I think for women, there's also like a lot of pressure to have a certain body image on your wedding day. I know for me, like I am already a pretty small person, but I was like working really hard and engaging in unhealthy eating behaviors to make sure that I looked a certain way in my little wedding dress and stuff. So yeah, purity culture, do I have any thoughts on it? Yeah, I th- I think it um is unhelpful. I totally understand the intent. I'm also not saying that we all just need to be like wild, you know, creatures that have no like um personalized values or whatever. No, I think that stuff's important. I think we all have like lines that we draw in the sand on certain things. Um but I think those are things that you kind of have to like decide for yourself. Um and purity culture, especially as it relates to Christianity, just doesn't really lend itself to that. So um I think it has an effect on relationships um, body image, just all kinds of things beyond sex. Um, I think it can really affect people's self-esteem and self-worth and mental health and overall comprehensive health. Cause like I said, sexuality is just a part of our comprehensive health as humans. Um, like you have social health, emotional health, mental health, physical health, sexual health, occupational health, um, spiritual health, like, it's just a part of it, but Christianity, like, really fixates on it, um, and so kind of going along with what I said with the previous question, like, when I was in Christianity, I was really fixated on the afterlife and death and those kinds of things and I was also really fixated on sexuality and sex and like after not being involved in like the church or Christianity for so long like yeah sex is a part of my health and my functioning but it's not something that I am like obsessed with um and this kind of carries into the the last question someone asked me um if I had any thoughts on rapture anxiety especially like coming from like a therapist's point of view so let's talk about rapture (laughs) let's just talk about rapture for a minute um because I want to provide a little bit of context so a really like a nutshell version of of rapture is like basically Jesus would will temporarily come back to take saved people to heaven and then like they'll leave unsaved people would be left behind and a sort of like apocalypse type of thing would happen but then Jesus would come back back and defeat the antichrist or evil or in the apocalypse or whatever. 
I cannot speak in depth on this because honestly, it wasn't something that the church churches or church culture that I came from focused on a lot. Um, we definitely talked about like Jesus coming back and reigning supreme and defeating evil and all of that stuff. And there definitely was themes of like end times. I feel like every, you know, every year it's like, oh, the end is coming. Um, it's like, okay, the end's been coming for like a hundred years now, more than that, you know, but anyways, it's not something that my culture focused on a whole lot. Um, even though we didn't talk about it explicitly that much, it was still something that I like knew about and was like an undercurrent of things. And yes, it did cause anxiety for me. Just anything regarding the afterlife or end times or death caused a lot of anxiety. One, because I would wonder like, would I be good enough? Am I actually saved? And like, two, what happens if you're not? And even though like, people and scripture and my lived experience and things would affirm that I was saved and that like if that happened that I would be with Jesus there was still this anxiety of like yeah but but what if I'm not like what if I'm wrong um so it was just kind of like an undercurrent of anxiety and I always said that like I never wanted to be scared into a relationship with God I wanted to be loved into one and so it was kind of just like this interesting tension to hold at the same time. Um, on this show, I talk a lot about making decisions out of grounding, not out of fear. But like, if I were honest, there definitely was an influence of fear in my involvement in Christianity. As far as like my thoughts on rapture anxiety as a therapist, I mean, I think it's definitely real. There's, I mean, we're learning more and more in this field that there are lots of specific anxieties just like there are specific phobias um like climate change anxiety for example um is a huge thing that we're seeing a lot um and i would definitely say that rapture anxiety is a thing um is i would put it in a category of almost like coming from religious trauma in a way um and there's like a lot packed into that that I'm not gonna like dive into but but yeah I, I feel like um it's very real you know a lot of people who I work with are either like not religious but they used to be or they're not as religious as they used to be maybe they're going through a bit of a deconstruction season of their life and it's, it comes up all the time. Um, not necessarily like rapture itself, but the concept of like heaven and hell and like being with Jesus or not being with Jesus and like what happens when we die. I mean, yeah, I talk about that weekly with, with clients, I feel like, um, in the coaching setting and a therapy setting. Um, it's definitely real. It definitely affects people. Um, and I just think it's sad because my the way that I view religions of any kind is that they can be a really helpful way to conceptualize life, to conceptualize pain and suffering, and to conceptualize like joy and good things too. Um, 
I think that religions can be a really helpful facilitator of that. And I think that religions can be a helpful facilitator within our spiritual health. Even though, like I mentioned in the last episode, you can be spiritual without being religious. Um, But oftentimes religions have a spiritual component. That's how I like to look at that. Um, So, I mean, I think that religions ultimately at their best are a way for people to conceptualize just the happenings of life and to do that in a shared community. And I, th- I think at their best, that ought to be a good thing. Um, I don't think that we ought to be living in a constant state of fear. To me, that's not the point. And so it makes me sad when I think about folks who are trying to, to find hope and to find um, encouragement and answers and guidance in something and what they actually find is a lot of fear. That just makes me like sad. I feel a lot of empathy for those, those people. But I mean, if you've ever driven through like the Midwest or like Southern Indiana and you see all these billboards of really scary things like flames and blood and darkness and fetuses and just like lots of really gruesome things on giant billboards every two miles like not kidding if you're not from this part of the country and like or big billboards that say heaven or hell call 188 truth for answers or something um that's like scary stuff so I also just feel like that's just like such an interesting component um, of all of this is just like how scary and intense and like in your face some of the approaches can be, um, which I'm not really a huge fan of. Uh, like the amount of like babies on billboards and like fetuses on billboards um, is just like very disturbing to me. Anyways, um, I'm going to stop there. Yeah, I just wanted to address some of the questions that you all shared um, and do a follow-up on this episode, on that original episode, because it was so, like, um, just such, like, a personal and deep topic, and I can imagine that there were, like, follow-up questions and wonderings. So, um, thank you guys for engaging with the, the episode and for reaching out um, and for just, like, sharing that you listen to it uh that just like means a lot to me um and what I just want to say about all of this is that again my interest here is not to change anyone's mind it's not to bash anyone it's not to make anyone believe what I believe it's just to share my lived experience and how that kind of colors the way that I move throughout the world having been in and out of Christianity Ultimately, this was a huge part of my personal development in my 20s, um, and it's still something that I um, am aware of and am mindful of, and little things come up here and here and now and then. Um, But this has been a huge part of me living more authentically 
living from grounding, not from fear, like I mentioned earlier. And what I am really passionate about, whether that this is through a religion or through leaving a religion or some other um, type of transition, I'm just so passionate about helping folks figure out what they believe, what is meaningful to them, what they value, what works for them, what feels integral, what feels aligned, and helping people live into that. And and that is what I do through my work as a counselor, but also as a coach. So if you are someone who is wanting to just further explore like what are my values? What is important to me? And further, how can I live authentically into that? I want to share with you that my one-on-one coaching program, The Ascent, is reopening very soon. The Ascent is a powerful coaching program for the adventurous of spirit. It's for the person who knows there's more out there for them, who is ready to step into their calling, to step into their power, to step into their authentic truth, but they feel stuck on how to actually get there. In this transformational, life-changing four-month program, I am your guide, your teacher, and your biggest cheerleader. I love being a hype woman helping you find the path your way. I've personally made leaps and bounds of growth and development towards the highest version of myself, and it's how I've experienced as much success as I have over the last five years or so, and I've learned how to do this in a way that is integral to me. And that's the key here. This isn't a templated experience. It's far from it, actually. I'll offer my insights and my expertise in order to help you find the right path for you. In this program, we will work together to finally overcome mindset barriers that have been blocking you for far too long. We will repair your nervous system, helping you find true safety in your body so that you can actually, from the inside out, trust yourself and your decision-making abilities. You will gain new access to your intuition in a way that makes you unstoppable. I will help you define and refine your values so that you can live in a way that is fully aligned and true to not just who you are, but to who you want to be. You'll meet your highest self and link arms with her as you ascend the highest mountains of your dreams with the deepest level of support that exists. And you'll take all of this with you far beyond our time together. Spots in this program are extremely limited because I work at the highest and most intimate level with folks inside this program. For four months, you'll have one-hour video calls every other week with me, plus you'll have 24-7 direct access to me via Voxer, which is like a text and voice messaging app during the four months so we can work through issues and increase your growth in real time as things come up. My waitlist will be opening soon, and like I said, spots are extremely limited. I only anticipate taking on two or three of these clients at a time because of how much attention I give to them. Out of all my offers, this is the most customized and personalized way to work with me, and spots are extremely limited. So if you're seriously ready to move onward and upward in your life as the strongest and truest version of you, 
keep your eye out for when the waitlist opens so that you can be the first to apply. Thank you for listening to this bonus episode. I hope you stay curious and have a great rest of your day. Thank you so much for listening to the Evergreen Thinking Podcast. To get further connected with me or take your exploration to the next level, visit the show notes at evergreenthinkingpod.com or find me on Instagram at evergreenthinkingpod.com.